Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Fine wine can give heady investor returns. We're looking at the cult wine global index today. I see 50.75% of the global index saw a five-year increase for fine wine performance. Wow. And that fine wine uh, increase in value on average 162% in the last 10 years. So fine wine was able to deliver strong returns through a rather turbulent 2022. But the question today is, is it still an attractive long-term component of any portfolio? We're going to take a look at fine wine's performance and its potential performance as an alternative asset with Nico Monroy, Director of Southeast Asia for Cult Wines. Good morning. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for joining us. So help us frame the discussion. Has wine in recent years beat the S&P 500? Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a very few words, yes, it has. Um, yeah, it's, it's beat actually not on the S&P, but most major equity indices, bonds, commodities, uh, a lot of indices across different asset classes, yes. Amazing. Uh, yeah, beat uh, the gold as well, I understand from your report. Now, your company recently released the Alternative Investment Report. You analyzed the motivations behind investing in these asset classes. Uh, what were some of the key highlights to you? Well, to be honest, I think that um, after the last, I guess, probably almost 10 years of a low rate, um, you know, low rate environment, low interest rate environment. Uh, people, investors in general, were just looking for finding, I guess, uh, places to park some cash mm-hmm. and get a return. And that really opened up the space for alternatives. Uh, and within alternatives, you have collectibles, you have wine, you have watches, you have art. Sneakers. Um, and yeah, exactly, sneakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of all that, I think in the last five years, we've seen uh, like a, like a tremendous change in terms of interest, volume, demand. And obviously that's reflected again in performance and the sort of returns people are seeing. But yeah, I think a combination of low interest rates, a lot of volatility, and then COVID (laughs) was also kind of like a big factor. But yes, um, I think that um, 2022 is, 2023 is actually rather different than 2022. Right. Right. We've we've now in in, uh, rate rising environment, the first time we've been, in this environment in many years. But I think we, we found that actually wine, wine still makes a strong case. Uh, as a diversifier, I think that, uh, as you've seen, 2022 was very hard for pretty much all asset classes. I think most of them ended in the negative. Uh, and usually when, when you're talking about investment and you're talking about diversified portfolios, the traditional 60-40, the whole premise behind combining different asset classes is that you're getting diversification, right? Mm-hmm. One goes up, the other goes down. Mm-hmm. And that combination helps you, like, you know, over the long term to achieve a certain return. But that kind of like thing breaks down with both assets move in the same direction. And I think 2022 was, was a case in which everything just was ultra correlated and not in the right direction, uh, except for wine. So I think if anything, 2022 was just another way of proving the case for alternatives, for collectibles, and especially for wine. 
So interesting to look from your report and see wine's performance across different market backdrops. Um, pretty solid. And, you know, part of the reason accounting for that may be the population that is investing in, in these kinds of assets. So your report found 162% of millennials and Gen Zers do not believe it's possible to achieve above average returns by just relying on traditional stocks and bonds. What can you tell us about investors' appetites for alternative assets like fine wine investment? Have you noticed a recent shift? Well, I mean, to be honest, I think there's a combination of accessibility. I think technology has definitely opened up the space for millennials and Gen Z. I also think that um, in terms of, um, I guess, exposure and minimum investment commitments, you, you can ex- start you can start exposure with not as much as with other more traditional uh, alternatives, um, mostly private equity, hedge funds, kind of like the, the most traditional of, of the bunch. So in a way, I think both technology, the lower price point, and the fact that actually um, in an inflationary period, such as the one we're seeing, mm. actually tangible real assets that carry an intrinsic value actually tend to be a fantastic hedge. That's really kind of like brought people into the space. Now, unlike the 60-40 portfolio, uh, which was pretty beaten down last year, how well did fine wine investments as an asset class do in 2022? And how does including um, fine wine as an investment compare in terms of investment strategies with the 60-40 portfolio, do you think? Yeah, it's actually it's a fantastic question. So as a whole, so if we look at the Colt Wines Global Index, which is a comprehensive way of looking at the fine wine market. This is obviously not the performance of our own portfolios, but this is just looking at the broad market. Mm-hmm. Uh, the index ended the year at 18% um, positive. Yep. There were regional indices within the, the global index. So if you look at the Burgundy and the Champagne indices, uh, those indices actually ended the year above 25%. Uh, it was pretty strong for those regions. It was pretty strong for the, the whole market. And what we did in the report is we look at the last five years and basically we run different combinations, uh, different portfolios with different combinations of, of, of assets. But basically comparing the 60-40 to a portfolio that would include wine, a portfolio that would include wine basically improved in terms of lower volatility, higher return and a higher sharp ratio. Obviously, there's, there's things to consider when you put wine into a portfolio in terms of liquidity, long-term capital appreciation. Uh, but, you know, within within just modeling, the, the portfolio that included wine was substantially better than just your traditional 60-40 just because you're getting a higher return with a four or like a fourth of the volatility. So for long-term investors, uh, well, actually for any kind of investor, this is, uh, I think this is eye-opening in the sense that fine wine does provide true diversification. And obviously, even though I had the office here and, and, and the presence of Southeast Asia, and I'm not advocating for 100% portfolio fine wine, mm-hmm. I do believe that any investor would benefit from having exposure to a very, like a truly uncorrelated asset, such as this one. And how do you expect that asset to perform this year? This year is interesting. So uh, obviously, 2022 was very strong. And after periods of a strong performance, we, we always have uh, moments of price consolidation. So the index is actually flat for the year, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not bad, especially compared to all the volatility of the last three months. We've seen indices across all asset classes go up and down substantially. So wine is pretty much flat for the year. We believe that because of 
the current kind of like, like um, uncertainty around where rates are going to go, um, what's going to happen. I mean, a lot of markets are pricing a potential recession down the road. Um, the Fed and what the Fed's going to do is also making well, affecting markets in such a way. So we believe that in the short term, the market might continue moving sideways. So it might be just continue flat for the next few months. But in our outlook, actually, there are very positive signs. We have two big momentums, uh, big, big, I guess, uh, campaigns, regions coming onto the market with their latest vintages, um, one of them being Bordeaux. And that's happening this summer. That's usually the biggest wine campaign for the year. It attracts a lot of investors. And contrary to the last two years, because of the lift in restrictions in China, we've seen a tremendous uptick uh, and interest uh, in demand from China. So 2022, uh, like this, this is specific uh, vintage coming out to the market, which is the 2022, but it happens in 2023, is getting a lot of good momentum. So it, it might be a good time for investors considering the space to, to maybe start an exposure. Wines that are released at this point would probably never see prices this low again. Mm. <laughs> Next time you look at this wines, probably would be trading much higher and it would be hard to get. Well, uh, so yeah. yes, getting wines at release tends to be, tends to be, uh, you know, if you want to take advantage of an opportunity, yeah. this is one that happens only once a year. Tremendous insight. Thanks for that. To what extent do you think uh, the collapse of SVB, the whole banking turmoil crisis has reinforced uh, fine wine investment as uh, an asset worth looking at? I think the case has never been strong, to be honest with you. I think that Volatility is something that most investors are not prepared to deal with. Mm. I think is, I think that we all like when, oh, you know, when you look at your portfolio and everything's green and everything's going up and that feels great. And I think we've, uh, we've gotten accustomed to, to a times like to times like that in which everything just works. Uh, and we've really kind of like not really consider the power of diversification. So things like, 2022 or the collapse of SB has been have been a good reminder that that portfolios need to be diversified mm-hmm. that in every single investor's portfolio you need to have uncorrelated return streams you you have to look at different horizons as to when these returns are coming and is and it's okay that if you have like assets that are not doing well now that's fine as long as you believe in the premise for them so i i do believe that the volatility and what happened currently with like a bank in the US it just proves the point that you need to make sure that your that your portfolio is prepared to manage to manage risk and to deal with volatility. Yeah, another great point. Um, does the index take into account Champagne's performance? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Uh, we've seen quite a bull run, right, for Champagne, yeah. and then then prices started to cool late November. I think it was, it's been trending downwards in 2023. Is that correct? It is correct. It's training downwards, but downwards for wine is, I think, within the realm of, in the last three four months, probably we're down by two or three percent. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, so obviously that you need to look at things within context, I guess. And that's a very that's if that's what the old consolidation is going to be about. Uh, it's it's just fantastic. That's on the back of a 2022 at 27 percent plus. Right. So if, yeah. if exactly, if you have a bit of a reversal, which actually is, I think, healthy, it releases a bit of the pressure. It allows kind of like it allows prices to consolidate and, and basically cools off 
a bit of the demand. Uh, I think that's actually positive for long-term investors, obviously. Yeah. I mean, when we think champagne, we think uh, global demand, that's strong, incredible brand power, huge distribution. But help us take a step back. What are some of the real risks, do you think, that come with investing with this particular asset class, fine wines? There's, that's a good question. I think there, there are two that come to mind that I think every every investor should be aware of. Um, wine is an uh, unregulated asset class. Right. So you just obviously you won't have the protection of, you know, the government or the monetary authority when you make this sort of investment. So it is it is on the investor to kind of like do due diligence to make sure that they're comfortable with the risk, that they're working with a trusted partner. All the things that come from an unregulated asset class, that's one. But I think there is definitely a solution for that, which is, you know, company working with companies like ours, work, working with experts doing your research, just making kind of like understanding the space before you, you get into it. Uh, but, you know, as I said, there's expertise to, to go around that, to hedge that. The second one I think is as important is um, liquidity or, or the lack thereof in a way. Mm-hmm. The reason why I guess wine and a lot of collectibles are a fantastic store of value and, and do great to protect value during downturns is actually the limited liquidity that they have. Buying and selling fine wine is not as fast, it's not as quick as, you know, buying and selling stocks. It's just not a click of a button. Right. So that actually in itself, because of the friction around that, that makes investors very hesitant as to, you know, sell during down markets. They don't really have to deal with margin calls because it's, there's no leverage. So I think just understanding liquidity is something that all investors should should, I guess, be aware of before getting into the space, mm-hmm. not putting, you know, rent money <laughs> into the space if you're going to need to rent the, the money tomorrow. But if you're saving for, a, if you're investing for the long term, it is a great place to park capital because, as you said earlier, you're achieving equity type returns mm-hmm. for, for the volatility. So it's, it's from a value proposition point of view, it makes a very compelling case. Tell us a little of uh, what Cult Lines offers your global customers. You're headquartered in the UK, but you've mm-hmm. ha- offices in Canada, in China, in Dubai, in Hong Kong, here in Singapore, in the US as well. How exactly do you make it easy for clients around the world to enter this space? Uh, we, we really try hard to make it seamless for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we really take, uh, care, like, we, we take care of all the friction around investing in wine. So we, we, we store, we find the wine, we, we guarantee, guarantee the provenance, we store it, we insure it, we trade it. Um, so our investors honestly just have the, the good things about the experience. They don't have to lift a, a case of wine. <laughs> they just go into their online access. They look at their holdings. They receive all the research and they are part of the community wine investors. So it's also a great space to educate yourself about wine, to share with like-minded people, to get your actually children into it as well. We have investors that actually are investing uh, and planning to make a gift oh. uh, down to our children. So some people invest in college funds. Some investors invest in wine collections wow. that at the rate of, you know, at the rate that they accrue uh, returns are as strong, if not, if not more. <laughs> Always terrific speaking with you, Nico. Thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you for the time. Nico Monroy is Director of Southeast Asia for Cult Wine Investment. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you so much for joining me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, 
Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.